Entertainment Weekly critic Lisa Schwarzbaum said that this movie provides a fair amount of shallow fun, pretending that 1980s heavy metal was actually heavy. Kimberly Jones of the Austin Chronicle wrote, Okay, so the plot's as fantastical and absurd as that whole awful era, but damned if it isn't a good time. And letterboxed user PGK raved, Big hair, wild clothes, broken hearts, and rock and roll. My kind of film. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of... Reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters! Wow. Greetings, Starfighters. Welcome to Ruined Childhoods. Greetings. Welcome Ruined Eardrums. Ruined... Ruined adulthoods. <laughs> you know what? This we are a a metal podcast. There's no way around it. You know we 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 just can't help but just rock really hard all the time. Enough of that it easy is, listening bullshit. It is in our nature for us to rock. We are genetically engineered to be as metal as humanly possible and nobody could even look at us and think otherwise. No, not at all. I mean, you you take a you take one look at us and you're just yeah, like, wow. Yeah, I mean, even if metal. you don't see us together, like you'll see one of us and be like, be like, that is the most metal dude I've ever seen until you see the other one and then you see the other one you're like, maybe that guy's more metal. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, thank you for tuning in to Ruined Childhoods. We are talking about Rockstar from 2001 on this episode. Dan, do you have anything else that you wanted to add about Vertigo? Um, I wish it was more metal, but otherwise, no. <laughs> yeah, not enough metal. Not enough no. metal. I, I was thinking back to... I. There are so many metal movies that I love. Uh, there, okay. Let me go down my ranking of like favorite metal movies, if you will. Uh, Heavy Metal Parking Lot is easily top five. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Have you not seen Heavy Metal Parking Lot? No, it just made me think of this like this thing I saw online about like Sticks's bus being parked in a walmart parking lot and like rocking too loud and like someone in a trailer nearby complaining so okay is that a heavy metal parking lot sticks no let me tell you about heavy metal parking lot so this came out i probably well i mean it was created in like 86 And it was like these guys who went around with a video camera, just a camcorder, in the parking lot before a uh, Judas Priest and Dokken concert. Judas Priest, which will come up later. Mm -hmm. And Dokken concert in like, is it Maryland or Delaware? It might be Delaware. And 
it's these, uh, and it's just going around to all these different groups of people hanging out outside their cars before going in and, you know, they're, they're drinking and they're getting high and stuff. And it's the most amazing people you'd ever see. And they're all like, you know, in their late teens, mostly early twenties. And they're just these huge metal heads. And it's these people going around to the camcorder, which at the time a camcorder was quite the novelty. You didn't see a lot of people going around to the cameras and it's these people being interviewed just about like their experience and how much they love Judas Priest and Dokken and oh my God, it's so much fun. And um, the filmmakers did a couple of uh, follow-ups where they did a Harry Potter parking lot, which was a parking lot before a Harry Potter book release, and then a Neil Diamond parking lot. But neither of those came anywhere near as incredible as heavy metal parking Neil lot. Neil Diamond parking lot uh, became Saving Silverman? Uh, yeah, sent, yeah, kind of. And speaking of Saving Silverman, co-starring Jack Black... Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny is another one of my favorite metal movies. Uh, before you uh, logged on to our session here, I was I was listening to a little bit of that uh, soundtrack. Oh, it's just so wow. good. The uh, no, mostly the uh, the battle at the end with with the Satan. battle at the end is awesome. I love the intro. You and I saw that movie together. Yes. we did. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and I. You know, there are just there are moments in so many moments in that movie that I will will never forget. And I've, I've seen it a few times since. But yeah, the, the opening scene where Meatloaf is Jack Black's father. Oh, and yeah. It's the, the two of them. And, and it's and it's young Jack Black lip syncing actual Jack right. Black's voice. It's very funny. So yes. it's so good. Very metal. Uh, one of one of my other favorite metal movies and this may be my number one favorite metal movie is uh airheads which i i love that movie so damn much it's got such an incredible cast like peak brendan fraser steve buscemi adam sandler before he was really adam sandler Uh, right on the cusp, uh, but you still get some of that classic stuff. You have Michael McKeon, uh, Michael Richards, who we've talked about a lot recently. Joe Montaigne. Uh, which, Joe Chris Montaigne, Farley. Chris Farley is, is in it. Awesome. Chris Farley. Oh, my God. It's so Amy Amy Locaine uh, teaming with Amy Brendan Locaine, Fraser. Amy Locaine, right. Yeah, th- reuniting with Brendan Fraser uh, from School yeah. Ties. And uh, yeah, so, and then, and then, of course, we have Rockstar. Which I don't know if it's among my favorite metal movies, but it is a metal movie, and there aren't all that many of them that I can think of. So, I guess Rockstar uh, is up there. But I love Rockstar; it's so much fun. It's ridiculous. Everybody in it is taking it so seriously, as they damn well should, and uh, we're all better people for it. Yeah, you know, Rockstar is a fun movie. And it's a it's it's overlooked. It as as will uh, it it um you know unfortunately was released in theaters not not that early early September is not usually uh you know the the best movie release time that tends to be like you know kind of the uh the afterthoughts of the summer movie season tend to get it's right before all of the like big dramatic like 
Oscar movies. Yeah, I mean, come it's, out. you know, it's like it's right at the beginning of school. So you've got a little less, like, you know, people just don't have all day. To, you know, you don't have kids just kind of like with their spendable income. And then September 2001. Yeah. Especially like the weekend prior to the 11th, the weekend of September 7th. Um, right. Not, not, not the best, probably not, not the best people were not, I mean, you know, maybe that, that weekend, but, um, right. Well, but you know, uh, be that as it may, that does mean that this movie is celebrating its 20th anniversary, uh, in really just a few weeks after this episode comes out which is very exciting. Because um, it's the 20th it's anniversary really, of 9-11, so of course. We don't have to talk about that, but it's the 20th anniversary of the release of Rockstar, September 7th, 2001. And uh, man, uh, I I don't think that I saw this one in the theater. I'm pretty sure I saw it when it came out on DVD, um, probably like a Netflix physical rental. And uh, yeah, it was... Um, it's ridiculous. I it's saw great. it in the theater in Louisiana. Oh right, yeah, you were. You were I was. Touring this is in my my past life. Uh, you know, as as our regular listeners know, I I am now a uh, high school teacher in this in um in West Seattle, and um I but in my past life was uh, was an actor and occasionally working actor. And one of my jobs was a children's theater tour that was based out of Kenner, Louisiana, which is a, a suburb right. of New Orleans. So, in fact, I flew to New Orleans, I want to say, on the 8th of September, 2001. Oh. So, Dan, when you were touring around with this children's theater group, did the wives and girlfriends have to go in a separate limo behind the tour bus? How did that work? Yes, no, only our stylists, um, uh, astrologists, vocal, vocal coaches, coaches, yes, were allowed on on the tour bus. No, <laughs> the uh, bus. what's actually funny is there was we there was a couple on. It was a small uh, crew of us. It was a four person cast, and then like a stage mm-hmm. manager and a house manager. And um, the the lone actress, the uh, the lone woman on the tour uh, was dating the um, stage manager. So they, oh, they had been okay. together since I guess they met on a previous tour for the, for this company. So gotcha. Um, but yeah, no, we didn't. They, they were allowed to travel in the same vehicle. Dan, I'm sorry if I'm looking off to the side and chuckling. So uh, we're recording this during a weekday. And because I typically record in the same room where my wife has her working from home office, I had to move my recording setup into our daughter's bedroom. And my dog is in a children's like pop up tent. And she's like wiggling around, getting comfortable. And I just see this like tent. It's like a circus tent, like kind of just like shaking around behind me and it's cracking me up. Um, but yeah. OK, so you saw it in the theater while you were while you were. Yeah, out there. I think it was like our first uh, like our, our first little like trip to the movies, because on weekends, 
we would just kind of be staying in whatever hotel, you know, Super 8 or whatever was along right. the the highway, uh, you know, tradition, you know, close to whatever else you'd normally find alongside of the, you know, Arby's and all that. Right. So, um, you know, every now and again, we would luck out and we'd be near near a movie theater. And if I remember correctly, this was like our maybe our first weekend on the road. And yeah, okay. I actually, I, I remember I saw a, I saw like quite a few movies on that on that tour. I'll never forget the double feature I did one day of the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, action action movie Collateral Damage. And oh, okay. then the Robert Altman Academy Award nominated Gosford Park. So interesting. <laughs> what a double that's, feature. I mean, that's kind of how I would describe my, myself to someone is just like I did a double feature one day of collateral damage and Gosford Park and enjoyed them both equally. So which okay. is to say very much. So anyway, but back yeah. to Rockstar. Uh, I mean, geez, how do you how do you follow Rockstar is no opening act. That's a headliner right there. Yeah. Uh, well, why don't I do a little synopsis? And um, let's see. I'm trying to see if I need to hit the spoiler alert button. Um, yeah, I'll do it anyway. Spoiler alert. Pittsburgh, 1985. Chris Cole assists in a drab office by day, but at night he's the singer for Blood Pollution, Pittsburgh's hottest Steel Dragon tribute band. The problem is that Chris and Rob, Blood Pollution's lead guitarist, are in the middle of a falling out due to creative differences. Namely, Rob wants to be more creative and Chris wants to honor Steel Dragon note for note. This, however, isn't a problem for Kirk Cuddy, Steel Dragon's lead guitarist. Kirk sees footage of one of Blood Pollution's performances and invites Chris to join Steel Dragon, replacing Bobby Beers, the founding lead singer and Chris's idol. Chris now becomes Izzy and is thrown into a and is thrown into the metal world headfirst. This doesn't exactly work for Emily, Chris slash Izzy's girlfriend and manager, who is relegated to the wives and girlfriends limo that rides behind the band bus. As mentioned earlier, she decides to live on her own in Seattle. Good for her. I hope she bought real estate. Their relationship grows more distant and the deeper Chris gets into the Steel Dragon lifestyle. And when Chris makes an attempt to add his own flair to new songs for the band's new album, he quickly gets shot down. Luckily, Chris is able to draw parallels between how Steel Dragon is treating him to how he treated his old pal Rob. Now, Chris has to decide if he remains Steel Dragon's puppet or if he should carve his own path and maybe just invent grunge music. So Chris slash Izzy is played by Mark Wahlberg. Uh, Jennifer Aniston is his girlfriend, Emily. Timothy Oliphant is Rob, the uh, the blood pollution guitar player in, a, you know, in an earlier uh, role for him, which is always exciting. Um, we have uh, Jason Fleming as Bobby Beers, the original Skill Dragon uh, vocalist Timothy Spall as their road manager, Dominic West as Kirk Cuddy. Uh, we have Jason Bonham, mm-hmm. son of John Bonham, on uh, drums for Steel Dragon. Uh, there's plenty of actual other musicians that are smattered throughout here, um, as well as uh, former and maybe also current 
uh, spouses or girlfriends for metal musicians playing the spouses and girlfriends of steel, of steel dragon. And, uh, big shout out to bass player, Brian Vander Ark, uh, blood pollutions, bass player also of the verve pipe, which, uh, who also wrote one of the songs in the, um, that's in the movie. Uh, and also of note is, and I don't have his name right here with me, but um, Stephen oh Jenkins that I might. Stephen Jenkins. Oh, I I didn't know where you were going with that. So, which one is Stephen Jenkins? Br- uh, so Stephen Jenkins of Third Eye Blind is Bradley, right? The the lead singer of uh, Pittsburgh's other premier Steel Dragon uh, tribute band. Um, I've. I forget, I forget what they call themselves, but yeah, yeah. He, he, who they who then comes in to replace Chris in Blood Pollution. Yeah, and big shout out also to uh, Beth Grant of the Joel Schumacher Players, who uh, is here as Chris Cole's mom, who runs a daycare out of their house. <laughs> so yeah, this is. This movie is such a trip. Yeah, yeah, it, and it's funny because I feel like the introduce the intro introduction the introduction. Uh, so I guess here's the spoiler alert: is uh, only because I'm gonna <laughs> spoiler alert. So um, <laughs> I'm gonna break the rules and talk because the next movie uh, that we're gonna be covering on our next episode. Uh, is Caddyshack and the introduction to Chris with his house full of kids and like he's hogging up the bathroom reminds me so much of the character introduction to Danny Noonan and the Noonan family in Caddyshack. So I absolutely, (laughs) I was like, wow, all right, geez, the, the stars have aligned. Uh, and I don't just mean the stars of metal. Um, yeah. So, uh, (laughs) It's uh, but right. it's 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 a lot of fun and it's a lot of fun to see actors like Timothy Oliphant and Dominic West, who I think people know best for the the Wire. Right. Um, to yeah. see them kind of like meddled and permed up, like the hair got kind of like a it's it's Brian May. I I it's Brian it's basically May Brian hair. May yeah. hair. Yeah, you know, and you know, so the the movie is based on the the true story of Tim Ripper Owens, who was the lead singer of a Judas Priest tribute band that was then right. pulled to take over for Rob Halford after he left right. Judas Priest. Right. And, uh, you know, lots of parallels there. And I'm also going to give a a disclaimer before playing any clips, because this movie, uh, much like the metal world, when Rob Halford came out of the closet, uh, there's a lot of homophobia and gay panic going on. So you're going to hear some words, uh, perhaps, that... Um, maybe aren't so friendly to the LGBTQ plus community. Well, yeah. And also, you know, and, and however, and this is definitely a note that I have is, is as, as much as, um, 
you know, a lot of a lot of words that are just kind of thrown around jokingly um, and, you know, like as insults to each other, you know, we've right. grown, we've evolved. But in yes. 19 in mid 1980s, especially in the world of of metal, there was there was definitely a lot of that, a lot of a lot of ironic homophobia uh, from, yeah, you know, Guys who were, you know, glam rockers. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and play a clip of. um, So this is the moment where uh, Chris and Emily, excuse me, come to Los Angeles for. So Chris can audition to be the new singer for Steel Dragon, which he doesn't really know what he's there for at the moment. But uh, this is where we find out that. exactly why Bobby is getting kicked out of the band. Hey, man. Hey. Thanks for coming. Not too fagged out, are you? No, I don't think so. Did Matt, the road manager? Hey, yeah. I saw you in Pittsburgh. You gave everybody a backstage pass for me. Yeah, from the looks of you, I had good reason, right? <laughs> Hello. Hi. So we all just saw a tape of you singing, provided by the lovely Nina and Samantha. Hey, hey Chris. Hey, guys. We were just wondering if the incredible voice on the tape really belongs to you. Oh, no, that'd be you, Bobby. You think you can bring in some child to replace me, do you? You want to do your own thing. We're going to let you go. Tell me what you're doing here. You're, you're firing me. Oh, yeah. Calm you, down, Bobby. You calm down, you right. wanker. It's because I'm gay, isn't it? Okay. No. I got both my nipples pierced, bought a house in Morocco because I'm John fucking Wayne. Have you, have you ever listened to the lyrics of stand-up, hmm? Did you really think that Kim was a girl? Kim was a guy. Yeah, Kim was a guy. He also happens to be my lover, much to the horror of these closeted sausage jockeys. Bobby, as if we give a toss who you're buggering. (laughs) Whatever, Bob. Just keep your dick away from me, though. Stop it, man, I tell you. No, what bothers us, Bobby, is you don't turn up for recording sessions. You missed half the gigs on the last tour. When you did show your attitude... Look, I am still Dragon! Without me, you're nothing! Give us a break. You'll be playing for coppers in the tube without me! We'll see. It's also like we get it. You're British. Oh, what with all the the <laughs> with all the slang? Yeah, it, it's like um, first of all, you all clearly live in L.A. No one's gonna be on the tube. It's really fine. Like, calm down. We get it. You're British. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that's kind of the reveal, and it's. And, you know, it's a direct reference to Judas Priest. Uh, You know, when Rob Halford came out, you know, of course, we don't know what things were like at the time for them, uh, you know, behind closed doors. But, you know, the metal community is, you know, very much driven by, you know, sex and, well, sex, drugs and rock and roll. But, like, you know, the, the idea, especially in the mid 80s of this metal icon coming out as gays. Shocking. Well, and it's not that he's coming out publicly. No, and, no, and no. also I do kind I I do buy it that like that's not why he's out of the band. Like that's not. Yeah, yeah. And I mean the whole like keep your dick away from me comment. It's like yeah, that's like yes, that is that is actual hom- that is like actual homophobia. That is actual uh f- like fear. 
Uh, yeah. and, and it's not, and, and right. Like it's not a developed, it's not an evolved view, but, um, you know, when, when, uh, Dominic West says like, we, you think we give a toss who you're buggering cause we're British. Right. Uh, uh you know, I, I buy it cause it's like, it's, it's about the money or, like to them. And that's, it's clearly about, they live this like opulent well, lifestyle. Yes, there, there's that, but you know, there's definitely also an element of the machismo, and that leads me to the next clip that I want to play. Which, Dan, you didn't tell me to pull this one. I pulled this one on what? my own. You went but this rogue. Is, this is I went rogue. So the, uh, a lot of times we <laughs> we pick the same ones essentially, but this one I was surprised you didn't want to pull because this is when they're doing their first like press conference introducing oh. Izzy to the world, and uh. This is how they go about answering yeah. one of the questions. Izzy, how do you keep your voice in such great shape? Oh, Miss Reed, my choir teacher, she always gives me some really cool exercises. And stuff it's a lot of pussy, that's how. Oh, yeah, I eat a pussy. Like father, like son. That's my boy. Love you guys. <laughs> so good, so comfortable. I kept messing up on my English accent. No, it was great. Nice way to handle that pussy line, by the way. Well, well what's, what's I going to do? I can't argue Izzy, with you. Izzy, honey, don't worry. I'm going to make an honest man out of you. And then, in the mirror. I eat a lot of pussy. Loads of it. I eat a lot of pussy. Turn this. <laughs> Got more voice eating pussy, man. It's like a vocal technique exercise. <laughs> I got eating pussy, man. Loads of it. All the time. Tons. It's all I do. Breakfast, morning, no night. <laughs> got to have it, man. It's all I do is eat pussy a lot. Chris! Either get in here and do it or shut <laughs> up! Hold on! Yeah. Um, all right. All, all, all due respect to Robert De Niro and Taxi Driver, but but nobody does a talking to themselves in the mirror to psych themselves up scene like uh, Mark Wahlberg. One of the many echoes of his performance in Boogie Nights. Yeah, right. Yeah, the talking into a mirror moments for sure are iconic. Uh, I also want to talk about... Um, Chris's parents, uh, played by Beth Grant and uh, Matthew Glave, is it? Glave. Um, oh no, that's uh, is that that's the brother? The, um, they're the brother. Yeah, Michael the Seamus. Is awesome. Michael Seamus Wiles. Right, uh, Glenn Gulia. Yes, thank you. I knew I knew him from somewhere. <laughs> oh shit! And it was from the wait, wedding. I singer. actually looked him up on IMDb. How did I miss that? <laughs> That's so funny. So, uh, yeah, like, they're watching the press conference, and she turns to him and says, like, father, like, son. It's so weird. It's it's one of the things that, (laughs) one of the things that I appreciate about this movie, especially in its kind of first, first act, is it tries to take the cliches, and, and all the cliches that we've, that were lampooned in 
in Walk Hard and the whole, you know, right. oh, like, why can't you be more like your brother? And what and oh, how can you say and do these things? And what are you wearing? They flip. They've cut. They just kind of yeah. the, the screenplay, which uh, was co-written by I know Callie Corey, who wrote Thelma and Louise, um, right, was one right. of the writers on it. And it was also uh, uh, John John Stockwell. Um, who, um, oh shit, what else did he do? I'm, I am sorry, I'm blanking. Um, he worked on like, uh, I think he worked on, on, oh, he, he was an actor. He acted. That's why I know him from things. Uh, he was in Top Gun. Um, Mm -hmm. and then he also directed, he directed like Into the Blue, um, this uh, movie called Cheaters. Um, he directed Blue okay. Crush, Crazy Beautiful, which uh, kind of an underrated right. uh movie. There, I didn't love it. I saw that one in the theater. Oh, Crazy Beautiful. I yeah, no, I saw it on yeah. cable. Um, anyway, but yeah, and also also should be noted. Uh, this was per this was done under uh, George Clooney's production mm-hmm. company. He's an executive producer on this movie. It was originally supposed to star Brad Pitt, and I'm kind of glad that it ended up being Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely, absolutely. Which is something that I don't think I would normally say. No, no, but it, it's. I mean, all right, Boogie Nights aside, because there's going to be similarities. It's a. It's you know. Like right. we're not we're we're not like you know trying to you know innovate storytelling. This is not a Charlie Kaufman script. But no, all, all, all I'm saying is yeah. I think that Brad Pitt's better when he's a supporting character, and I I I like it when he's more a little bit more subdued. And this is a character that is not at all. No, subdued. and I I don't think that Brad Pitt would make this as interesting as Mark Wahlberg. Now I do yeah. have I guess on that on that note where I think the movie um had potential for more was in in the tone and kind of and also keeping in mind that this is pre Walkhard it's pre pop star right so I think that had had the tone and and by the way this is also this is directed by Stephen Herrick who directed Bill mm-hmm. and Ted's Excellent Adventure so yeah, you know he knows something about you know comedy, and I think that I I think that this film could have could have leaned more into the satirical element, and therefore because I think it it goes that way in the beginning and having the oh wait a second the bro, like the parents prefer the the like the rock star brother who still lives at home to the yeah. cop and oh they don't they're not embarrassed by him they they're very supportive they're extremely parents. supportive and even the brother like you know gets into it he he uh, gets into it but and they're doing all these things and even even you know the real life twist that Bobby Beers is gay is you know it could be you could also look at it as a like turning the rock genre on its head uh you know the cliche of the of the womanizing rock star so i mean yeah, yeah. less less so uh, yeah the the, the movie definitely has a bit of an identity crisis where, you know, it's like it feels like it should be a comedy, but it isn't. Um, 
And that's, I think, where you take another a movie, you know, going back to like Airheads, where it's about these metal guys. It's a comedy, but it's not making fun right. of metal. You know, it's still like celebrating the genre and the people who are fans of the music, but it's not make it's not making fun of anybody. It's making fun of the people that metal people don't like the easy listening yeah. guy. And, and it, it's, it, I think Rockstar part of the challenge, and uh, you know, I would I would love to to talk to you know John Stockwell or or Kali Curry or Stephen Herrick and and ask them about this, but like. Even though it is pre all of those other, you know, musical satires that we're familiar with now in 21st century, we are also post this is Spinal Tap. So does the fact that like Spinal Tap, which is also in my top movies. Yes. And it's like. Because also this is clearly coming after the whole like, you know, VH1 behind the music uh, and like, yeah. you know, those TV rock documentaries that are just like it's like all the the drama. Like I remember I remember I remember I loved watching them and I would always get excited when they would do an artist I like. But then I watched the R.E.M. behind the music and it was so boring because they didn't like the only real drama that they had was when bill berry got an the drummer for rem got damn aneurysm during the uh monster tour and like ended up having to leave the band but even like michael stipe coming out was like he was like i wasn't being secret like he wasn't like no it's also right it's also more of an art band than it is you know a rock band and you know he's a poet. yeah, but on the he, other you know, yeah, it's but, like, but I mean, then you've got your Fleetwood Macs, which yeah. <laughs> are not exactly well, metal, yeah, but okay. damn, that was a Fraught great behind the music. But anyway, so I think yeah, that, but it's also like you can't, and they go into that like that little bit of like documentary um, style. Yeah, but, they, that's another place where I feel like it's a bit of an identity crisis because. It's like at the beginning and at the end, they do these kind of like sit down interview type things with some of the band members. And, you know, it starts and you see Chris Cole and he's a little like grunged out. He's got like a, you know, weird sweater on. It's like, yeah. And it's not even it's it's like that post grunge. It's 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 the I feel like it's it's the it's like 1995 alternative because it's yeah. like Kurt Cobain has died and rock is like we're going to tone it down a little bit. Well, yeah, absolutely. Like it's not early grunge, you know, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. It's not the heavy grunge. It's the well, light no, it's, grunge. It's, it's Eddie Vedder solo. It's Chris Cornell it's solo. It's Eddie Vedder solo. <laughs> yeah. And what's so interesting about it is like, that's why in the synopsis, I was like, did he invent grunge? Because it doesn't seem like much time is supposed to have gone by. Because like, you know, the the, the story starts in 1985 and it the story of him with Steel Dragon ends when they're like, getting ready to release their next album. So maybe it's 1987. I think it's a, I, I, that, that was kind of where I placed it was 87. And I placed the ending in 95, though I was not certain. I Was that club in Pittsburgh or in Seattle? See, I thought that it was in Seattle because I get the impression that uh, Emily, you know, she moved to Seattle and she... Uh, I'm guessing opened up a coffee shop with one of the other 
girlfriends. Well, they they or had wives another. They, they, no, it was another. They had another business idea. It's another business. Yeah. Well, I see. The thing is, like when you have a coffee shop in grunge, you have to just imagine that it's in Seattle during that time. And it's singles then, you know. Sure. But yeah, so I don't know. It's interesting. I wish that they would have like given some sort of a like nine years later or something to make it make sense. But it's also like they never kept in touch at all. Okay. She doesn't know anything about what he's up to. All right. Yeah. I know this is like a pre-internet era. Yeah. I mean, no, no, but it's, it's still a little like for that much of a gap from 87 where he walks off and and i love by the way love how he leaves the band yeah uh let me play a little clip from that you guys spent most of the break working on some songs for the album i mean it's still rough but i want to get you guys input before i went further I don't know. It's just a thought, but that make for a cool cover. I mean, no title, no band name. Could be heavy. What do you think? What is it? It looks great. Well, I'm not done yet. I mean, it still needs work. I'm glad you've been having some fun writing your songs. Well, actually, I busted my ass working on the songs. Yeah, but the tunes for the new album, they've already been written. What do you mean? Well, AC and I wrote them during the break. Well, look, I know you and AC do most of the writing. Not most of the writing, all of the writing. Yeah, but shouldn't I have some input? I mean, I'm part of the group now, right? I'm the one that has to sing the tune, so you'd think you'd at least want me to put my stamp on them. Is. I mean, I'm not just... Listen, you guys aren't just expecting me to be some singer for hire, are you? Look, let me explain. Come here. Listen, our fans, right, our loyal, die-hard fans, our very lifeblood, if you will, expect to see certain things, all right? And we like to give them what they want. And we don't deviate from that because one disappointed fan can quickly turn to two, two to four, four to eight, and on and on like that until the next thing you know, we're playing to a half-empty hall. And our lost sheep are off enjoying the rock stylings of, say, rat. So while I understand your impulse to do your own thing, and I admire it in some small way, if you want to stay with Steel Dragon, then you're going to have to reconcile yourself for the time being to doing the Steel Dragon thing, all right? And the Steel Dragon thing is that AC and I write the songs, and you sing the songs that we write. Am I clear? And then at a concert, he does exactly what uh, he wishes would have happened well, to have him I, at the beginning. Hold on. Before you play that. Oh, I don't oh, have okay. that. Oh, good. All right. Okay. Yeah. No, I didn't think so. But uh, it's not really. In, uh, it's That one's better visually. So than here is where you, ha- where you do have some hint that, um, that they did push Bobby out because he's gay and but it's Uh so like and i don't this could just be connecting things that that aren't intentionally connected but he says uh kirk says he and ac do 
like write the songs. They write the songs. Mm-hmm. However, in the scene with Bobby or the, the one that we listened to earlier, Bobby right. talks about the lyrics that presumably he wrote for Stand Up and Shout. I thought that was it the lyrics or was it the the preamble that he does? Before? No, because no, it is a preamble before he a talks song. about. Well, right. he, he talks about uh, like, you know, haven't you ever listened to the lyric? He says he, he right, says, right, I know, right, right, uh, right. yeah. Um, so which tells me that Bobby did some writing on the songs and that uh, maybe Kirk and AC yeah. were not happy about that. So maybe they wanted more. Yeah, control. Now the steel dragon thing is Kirk and AC because he's really, and this is, it's something that the movie doesn't really go into, but Kirk, I mean, as, as we were saying before, he's in it for the money and that's, I mean, how often do you hear a a musician say, oh, no, we want to keep doing the same thing. We don't want to. Usually it's the label that's like, no, keep right. making the same thing. And and it's a musician's like, no, man, I just want to, like, you know, throw some flamenco guitar in there or something. Yeah. And yeah, they're not artists. They're a company. They're right, a brand. Right, right. Which yeah, I mean, like that, that that's true. That is what it is and um i i think that it, it that's an aspect of kind of like what happened to a lot of those metal bands i mean like i know this is based on judas priest but you know i think about like a, a guns and roses which is also becoming mm-hmm. big i mean appetite for destruction comes out in in 87 so you've got bands like them where and it, and and it goes to the point where it's like well you know, can we just swap out the lead singer, especially when there's so many guys out there who can look and sound just like him? Yeah. It made me, I was trying to think about like bands that really have done that successfully and rather than than just, you know, uh, like bands that have actually swapped out their their lead singer or replace their lead singer and actually can ACDC is one, but it's not ACDC is one. They did it pretty early. I mean, he died. So, well, he yeah. died. Right. Yeah. And same goes for queen. You know, they toured with Adam Lambert. Is they that toured right? with Paul Rogers of bad company. They toured with Adam. Mm-hmm. They've toured with a cup. They've toured with a few singers, but it will also, there was a long time after Freddie Mercury died that they didn't tour. Right. And, just because it's it's so relevant to what we're talking about, but uh, you know the same thing happened with one of the with I think the writer of Stand Up and Shout, Sammy Hagar. He yeah. replaced David Lee Roth, and then was replaced by Gary Sharon. And I guess who was then replaced well, by David. And Lee I Roth. guess the thing is with a band like Van Halen, it one could argue that like Eddie Van Halen is still in the band. You're not so that's really what matters. Well, I mean, yes, but David Lee Roth was a huge draw. Oh, you know, in their I, early career, I agree. I and I'm not the world's biggest Van Halen fan, but to me, if I was gonna, if I like, if I was gonna, you know, go see a Van Halen concert, I would be. I mean, you know, not now, obviously, but I would well, be yeah. much. I I would like definitely want to see Van Halen with David Lee Roth. Like that's. Well, there's a reason why 
People call it Van, Van Halen and then and Van, Van Hagar. Hagar. What do they call the Gary Sharon? Just like Van, eh, just, Van. You know, not not a lot of people talk about that Van era. Extreme. Although I saw I saw them play with uh, Gary Sharon. Was that Extreme was, was that the band that Gary Sharon was in? Yeah. yeah, I had a friend in high school yep. who loved Extreme. Hey, more than words, great, they great jam. Good songs. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but yeah, so Rockstar. You know what, John? Who's who's the most metal band you've you've gone to see? Oh, that I've gone to see? Because well, it's funny because we talk about Van Halen, but I don't really think of them as a metal band so much as like a party. But are band. they the most metal uh, band that that you've seen? Um, well, I you know in L.A. I have seen Steel Panther, which is a uh, you know a throwback band, I guess you could yeah. call them. Because, and I don't know if they're active anymore, but their whole thing is, you know, they play at like, I don't know, the the Whiskey or the Roxy or something like that. And they are an 80s metal yeah. band. So I suppose that that's probably the most metal band I've seen, if you would count I that. I mean, y- yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, for us. The lead singer of which makes a cameo in Rockstar as the singer who's auditioning before Chris at the... Uh, the Steel Dragon makes studio. perfect sense. Makes perfect yeah. sense. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. sitting here like I've asked the question and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, who's the most metal band I've seen? Like Kings of Leon? I don't know. Like, <laughs> the Jim Blossoms. Uh, meatloaf. <laughs> Me, you know, there's some meatloaf that goes a little goes a little heavy, but still not. That oh, heavy. I mean, I'm I I guess maybe Pearl Jam might be, but like. Oh boy! Uh, no, I I I have not been d- d- to Dan. Dan, you're you're giving a at the beginning of the episode. We told everybody that we were like super metal guys. I am. You can't tell them that the heaviest band you've seen is uh, Kings of Leon. I was hoping everyone else had forgotten about that as I did. <laughs> hey man, uh, Kings of Leon, fucking metal. Mm, no sure um great Uh, you know i and you know i don't know i've seen foo fighters but they're not that you've seen they're not metal i i I think van halen is probably van halen or steel panther i've seen okay i saw sticks and i mean i'm gonna put air air quotes around sticks because uh then it was sticks with that and it was it, it was it was uh you scoff this was at a it was a um post 9-11 tribute for um new jersey uh new york like metropolitan area um first responders i'm not scoffing at the fact that you saw sticks because sticks can wail and i'm scoffing at the fact that you would consider them okay metal. well so also on this ticket it was not just sticks because um okay ario speedwagon okay mm-hmm um survivor okay i'm trying to remember who else was on uh oh i saw kiss oh you saw kiss okay all right yeah. all right there you go. i mean, look you i mean you've got the tattoos and everything so you're definitely more metal <laughs> i have the least metal tattoos ever I have a Frasier tattoo. I have an Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom tattoo. I have a Simpsons lamb. I have the happy foot and sad foot. Like, and the last Starfighter. 
The least metal tattoos ever. Oh, man, last Starfighter. Man, that last Starfighter symbol would be awesome on a metal album. Imagine that. Imagine that just in the middle of a giant like <laughs> vinyl shiny like album cover. Anyway, um, back to the tone though, because there's one more one more clip okay. that um, I. And it goes at the end when they go back into this like, oh, let's do interviews. We have Bobby Beers. Oh, yeah. Yes. This is during the closing credits. uh, And this is what we get from Bobby Beers. Why did you decide not to rejoin the band? As the mouthpiece of Steel Dragon, I realized I had this huge responsibility because the band are there, but it's me they're looking at. It's me they want to learn from. It's me that they have on their walls. And I realized that the vacuous, empty world of sex and drugs and rock and roll is not maybe the message I want to be sending out to these kids. I realized I wanted something more cerebral, something more eloquent, and something basically more dignified. So this was a time when Riverdance was the funniest thing to mock. It actually was maybe a few years after it was the funniest thing. Yeah, to yeah. I, I think unfortunately, uh, it, it had it had passed by now. I think Michael Flatley had gone on to be Lord of the Dance at that point. But this was right. But in whatever, like nineteen ninety seven, nineteen ninety seven, a great vortex opened up, and uh, there was a swing music. Um, Oh, there was yeah. a there was a swing music revival. revival, the Macarena and Irish step dancing were huge. Now, look, not yeah. for nothing, but a few years before was the big Gregorian chant fad. So, oh yeah, that's right, man. The nineties were so weird. <laughs> the nineties it was like a we roulette had, wheel of fads. <laughs> we had the Scat Man. Uh, we, we had, the had what? all sorts of crazy stuff. On the scat oh, man. the scat was man. Yeah, 90s? we had the scat man, the, yeah. the Bart man. Yeah. Uh, Cotton Eye <laughs> Joe. Cotton Eye Joe. Right. There was a big, like, country thing happening. Pseudo country techno pseudo, thing. Yeah. Well, it was that. And then it just fed into, like, the nouveau country of, of Shania Twain and Faith <laughs> That's Hill. right. Yeah. So, uh, but <laughs> who are even less metal than me. And speaking of you, what would you do with Rockstar 20 years later? Well, you know, we've done so much with with the music industry and there's been Rock of Ages, the musical, and then the movie Rock of Ages. And so what do you do? Well, and I was trying, I, I, I think a loose remake is in order. I think... Okay. And and what's interesting is I don't know I mean it's like yes metal is is still out there and I mean like you know there like kids are still learning guitars and in, in bands I I mean like I uh you know I saw went to go see some of my uh you know uh former students uh you know playing in their playing in their band uh and right. Uh, so it's like it, it's still a thing, but I feel like this should be remade, and I think it should be remade uh, in South Korea, and that it should be revolving around K-pop because oh, K-pop is is a is That's a phenomenon. It's it's I mean it's huge, um, and. 
I feel like the like K-pop stars are are so like there's it's something very different, but it's also something very like stylized. And, Uh you know, like, imagine the kid rather than putting on, like, you know, the eyeliner and the thing like the kid comes out of the bathroom getting ready to go out to like whatever, like, I don't know, maybe they go to karaoke. Maybe that's their maybe that's how they get, you know, discovered and, you know, and they've got like fluorescent pink hair and, you know, the conservative old, you know, grandmother is is like, that is really nice. That is a really nice shade of pink there. And. You know, can you do my hair? Um, And I, I mean, I also, I I feel like there's also been, and I mean, there's, it's really like two movies that I can think of. Actually, no, that's not true. There's more, but I do feel like there's kind of like a Korean cinema um, has, has gotten more of the spotlight in recent years. And yeah, and that's true. So I, I also I feel like the time is right. I, but I also feel like a lot of the you know what we've seen the Korean cinema that we've seen has either been, um, you know, in the the vein of of you know a, a drama, you know, like like Parasite, or um, I believe Train is Train to Busan was that also Korean. I. You know, I'm not sure. I, don't I also misspeak. don't know if I would consider Parasite to be a drama. Well, uh, a it's more of like a cerebral pseudo thriller. Yes, yes. Uh, but but or it's not a com. It's not really a comedy. Very dark. There's some dark humor in it. Right. There is some humor in it. But yeah. I think like a like a music a music centered comedy set around the world yeah. of, of K-pop. I mean, I don't know much about See, it, but I. No, all you know, all you need to know, which is that it's hugely popular, and that. You know what? What people would have considered to be a guilty pleasure, since so many people now have admitted to having that pleasure, it's no longer guilty for people, <laughs> and, and nor should it be. Um, but what I do find interesting is that you are suggesting now making a movie about K-pop, whereas Rockstar made a movie that took place fifteen years prior, essentially. And the equivalent to that now would be like an emo version. Like if we're talking about, if we're taking the, the rock star framework, mm-hmm. which is like, all right, 15 years in the past, which in the music years, I feel like the difference between 2000 ish and 1985 ish, uh, seemed a lot further away than like maybe now. I don't know. I so, mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, because I also think that that's when, uh, you know, music, you know, where we were in that post grunge world. And that was also when music started to kind of get more like fragmented and and splintered mm-hmm. off and where it was less like, you know, less central. But yeah, I, I, I also yeah. I, and I am saying like set it contemporarily or I don't know, whatever, set it in 2015. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, we don't need to, I I think something this movie handles pretty well is being set in the eighties without being eighties showing like all the like, you know, Oh, new Coke. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Like showing Angeline. Like, Hey, I got McDLTs. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Somebody was talking about McDLT. The hot side on, like, stays hot and the cool side stays cool. Uh my God. No, it, it it was very much is set in the eighties without being all about being set in the eighties. No, so, and I yeah. just don't, I feel like for my my K pop remake of Rockstar, it, uh, you don't you don't need to you don't need to. Gotcha. What are you gonna do? What okay. you gonna do, brother? Well, you know, I said earlier, twenty year anniversary. I think it'd be a perfect opportunity to do a re release. Uh, maybe do like a like an outdoor cinema re-release and have like metal musicians like do a show before the movie. Oh, I thought you were going to say like have a band that plays like almost do like a Rocky Heart. This was something I was thinking actually while I was watching it. Well, yeah, I was also thinking about kind of like a Rocky Horror thing, but you can't force that. No, it just that. I mean, that has to happen organically, but. Yeah, I think that, like, you have metal bands play, you have them do some of the songs from the movie, uh, because, honestly, pretty good soundtrack. Uh, yeah. Not yeah. gonna lie. Yeah. Um, oh, and, what you know, one thing, we, we barely, we, we really barely talked about Jennifer Aniston, and I think that the casting of Jennifer oh, yeah. Aniston is another way that this movie tries to, like, flip the cliches, and I actually, I, I was... I was curious. I was like, I wonder if there was any consideration to like me- the casting of Meg Ryan in The Doors and the casting uh-huh. of Jennifer Aniston in Rockstar just seems like, I don't know, like they're like an analogous analogous there. Um, but I Jennifer Aniston, like as Emily is into it at the beginning like she's into it like when, yeah. and when they have the first concert and when like the uh, um what's her name like tanya uh is coming on to them like she's into like she's into it she's not like disgusted by the whole thing no no and and she's great as the manager for blood pollution she's very charismatic she you know she's part of that scene you know it's not like she's just the girlfriend she's very much a part she of the scene timothy oliphant's underwear off from under his pants oh she, she cuts, cuts yes. it with yes. scissors cuts with, with yeah. scissors yeah which is an awesome yeah. moment but yeah uh and speaking about timothy oliphant i just want to uh play a, a clip the this is from when uh chris is still in blood pollution and they are having a big oh. falling out moment just because i i just want to play as much it's a timothy great scene. It's as a great possible scene. because yeah, it's really great. And what I want you to pay attention to is, you know, remember that when they're filming this, the, you know, no one's hearing the music. So this first like scream thing that Timothy Oliphant does, I'm just picturing that without any of the song behind them. So go ahead and do yourself a favor and do that too. What was that, man? What was what? There's no solo break after the chorus. They don't care. That's ah! not how the song goes. Dude, I know how the song goes. Well, if you know how it goes, then play it right. Chris, you are taking this shit too seriously. That's right, I take this shit really seriously because the music deserves to be taken seriously. If you don't take it seriously, you don't deserve to play it. All right, you need to get a grip. Let it go. You've ruined your performance. Do not ruin mine. So, uh, I love it. it. Wahlberg 
Wahlberg also does petulant really well. And, he really and, does. And, and this is – so the, man, Mark Wahlberg just – he gives – he gives – I wrote this down. He, he can give performances that would feel at home in a satirical film without realizing it. And it's like yeah. I was thinking about his performances that I found most believable because I also recently watched The Happening, the, the M. Night Shyamalan oh, okay. film The Happening, which – I, I, I'm, I'm. Say what you I am, feel. Say no, I'm mystified feel. by it. I don't know how I feel about it because I don't know what the <laughs> intentions were with it. But his performance in it, it's like it. His performance in that movie must have been what inspired Andy Samberg's impression, like the Mark Wahlberg talks to animals on SNL, because every oh, okay. line he says sounds like that. And and I was like, he's not at all believable, and he's fucking terrible in the happening. Zooey Deschanel also terrible so i don't know if it was by design but he i was thinking about his performances that felt most believable and he does like in this movie that's why i feel like they should have leaned more into the satire because i feel like he's at his most believable when you're like it's kind of like everyone else is in on the joke except for you dude um you know huckabees i'm huckabees, glad he is so believable right. in that yeah he's amazing in huckabees uh so anyway I don't know. I love the way that I, the, you know, how genuine they play this movie, uh, I think is so great. It makes me really happy. Uh, it kind of gives you the, like, the chills at moments, you know, when, you know, he's outperforming Bobby Beers, you know, when they're at the Steel oh. Dragon concert. I don't know. It's just like, it's fun. Which is then how he ends yeah. up, uh, when when that scene repeats itself at during his last gig. Yeah. And he and yeah, like that talk about a, a great moment is when he and he sees himself and he's like he sees that kid in the crowd yeah. who can hit the who can hit all the notes and who and who also isn't worn out. And he brings him up on stage and he gives him the mic and makes him the lead singer of the band mid show. Yeah. That yep. that's a fantastic moment. And that's also why I believe that this when I say loose remake, I mean loose remake, because there are elements of this film that that you cannot recreate that just need to be enjoyed. So right. which is why I also like your idea of of some type of uh, cinematic re-release, a theatrical, yeah. you know, maybe uh, like a tour. Like I would love to see, I, yeah. would, I would love to see like a road show. Like, um, you know, I don't know who's available <laughs> from this movie, but like tour, like tour the movie, do Q and A's, like, you know, get people back in the theater. I could see Timothy Oliphant getting really into it. I would love that. I mean, I'm at, like, it depends on, you know, and where you're going. It's like, all right, may, you know, maybe, all right, walk, Mark Wahlberg shooting a movie in, uh, you know, I don't San Francisco. So maybe he does the San Francisco screenings. Hopefully there's a rooftop chase in it. So... <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> but but yeah, like I think that would be a lot of fun and a chance to like ask questions and to ask to like to ask Timothy Oliphant like, all right, so how was doing that scream without any of the music behind you, and what did you do to get well, yourself to yeah. that moment? I know, I know. Well, yeah, it's this it's this crazy weirdo movie that just kind of like popped up, and then uh, I think you know because of nine eleven, you know, didn't and. Here's okay. 
disclaimer, I think 9-11 was terrible. If it, this comes across making it seem like I don't feel that, then I then I just want you to know that. But I think that because of 9-11, you know, like it didn't even stand a chance at theaters. I'm sure it, that nobody was going to go see. Well, you is saw that why Rockstar. you think 9-11 was terrible? I don't want to get into the details, Dan. Sorry. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. you know, no one was going to be going to go see a movie like that. You know, if people were going to go see movies, it was probably to see something that would make them laugh, maybe. Uh, but I don't well, know. I mean, yeah, and how did you know what to expect and who was really thinking about it? Yeah, and I, I also, I don't remember when I saw this, but it was definitely like not, I did not see this. Not first run situation. No, no. This was this would have been. I mean, I have the ticket stub in my box of ticket stubs. Ooh. So I. Oh I, man, I, Dan, I I'm dying to know the date that you saw that. Is this going to be here. like the guy who bowled a 300 on 9/11? <laughs> no, because I did not see this movie on 9/11. Um, actually, you know okay. what? I will go get it, and we can pretend that I had it right here the whole time. Okay. Now, I think that when I organized these, I put them in some type of order. So let's see. Here we go. Dan, next for your birthday, I'm getting you a, uh, a scrapbook. it's best. It's best like this for your stubbies it's best like this. All right. Uh, um, Are they still in the cigar box? Start. Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. Zoolander was October 6th. Do I not have my ticket stub from rockstar? I swore that I did. Yes. I know. I saw it on nine 23. I saw it on September okay. 23rd uh 2001 uh 4:30 so Dan has the ticket stub in front of him uh where did you see I it I saw it at the Can you tell from the stub I saw it at the Holiday Cinema and I uh it, this doesn't say it, where it is It was somewhere in Louisiana I have a vague I have like a very vague recollection of uh, I have a very vague recollection of where it was. It was it was near the motel. I remember we walked over. Uh, yeah, and I'm pretty sure. Let's see, holiday. So we're gonna have to post a picture of this ticket stub on our Instagram at Ruined Childhoods Pod. I am uh, thrilled that Dan is able to find this in his sea of ticket stubs. Oh, okay. Hold on. So this might have been... Oh, let's see. Co- Are you Covington, Googling maybe? the theater? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that this theater is like still exists, but um, who knows? Anyway, we'll we'll keep you updated on that. I'll post a picture of the ticket stub on, uh, on the Instagram. So, hey, if you saw Rockstar, whether on uh, in the theater or on 
DVD via a physical Netflix shipment or otherwise, yeah. let us know your thoughts. <laughs> Ruined Childhoods Pod at gmail.com. Yep. And uh, you can check out our link tree. It's in the episode's description. It's linktr.ee slash ruined childhoods. And I want to thank anybody who listened to this podcast and went on to the My Roadcast. Uh, podcasting competition and uh, voted for Statue of Limitations. Unfortunately, I did not win the voting portion of this, uh, but I did get first runner up for the competition overall. Yeah. Uh, judged on, voted on by uh, actual people in the industry, the the internet and podcasting industry, and um, I am. Hugely grateful to the judges as well as Rode Microphones, whose gear I love and use. And I'm I won some new gear, which is exciting. It's some of the same stuff that I have that that I got for my my job. Um, but this is gonna be my own stuff, which is exciting. And you know, because of this, I'm going to move forward with uh, Statue of Limitations in a more intentional way. And uh, so I'll keep you posted about anything going on with that. I, I'm going to be pitching it around a little bit to some of the networks because one of my goals is to be able to pay the participants, any of the panelists that help me go back in time year by year of the Academy Awards to try to figure out what movies were overlooked due to racism, xenophobia, homophobia, uh, even like the Red Scare. You know, it's like there's so many reasons Discrimination. Why- all sorts of discrimination, yeah. So uh, keep your eyes and ears out for that. Um, Dan, you've already told everyone what we're doing on the next episode, but just because it's what we do on the show, remind everyone. Go back to the shack. All right. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be 1980s Caddyshack, 1988's Caddyshack 2. Uh, which I, which I mean, wow, uh, Caddyshack definitely has its legion of fans. Caddyshack 2 has its legions of detractors. And And fans. And, and fan, yes, you know what? And (laughs) it may just be us, but yeah, anyway, uh, we're going to be talking all about Caddyshack. Uh, so looking for, looking forward to that. Yeah, and Dan, as you ride along in the limo behind the tour bus, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Rock and roll. You can't kill the metal. The metal will live on. Punk Rock tried to kill the metal. But they failed, and they were smacked to the ground. New Wave tried to kill the metal. But they failed, and they were stricken down to the ground. Grunge tried to kill the metal. <laughs> they failed, as they were thrown to the ground.
vanquished foes of the meadow We tried to win for why we do not know Oh!